From the brilliant minds of Hipster at Home, you're listening to We Should Start a Band, a podcast about the trials and tribulations of being suitably hipster. Welcome back to We Should Start a Band, where we're not experts, just highly opinionated. I'm Retro Denim Jacket, and I'm joined by... Heritage Avocado Toast. And Cold Brew Kombucha. Did you say the Cold Brew Kombucha? Well, I mean, I am the Cold Brew Kombucha, but I know I said and. And the Cold Brew Kombucha. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Wait, can I be the Retro Denim Jacket? Are we going by the now? Yeah. Sure. I'm I'm here for it. (laughs) Like the Ohio University. (laughs) So... Today we're talking about the pitfalls of shopping at mainstream grocery stores. We don't have any follow-ups today, so let's grab a cart and start discussing some items. My hands hurt. Already? Yeah. I clapped too hard. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We injure ourselves for this podcast. That's how serious we are. (laughs) The things we do for our listeners. (laughs) I guess first we should define mainstream grocery stores. Um, Big chains? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with chains. But I don't think I would necessarily count Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. No, they're too specific. Yeah. I'm thinking more like Wegmans and Tesco. Yeah. Sainsbury and stuff, yeah. Giant. Chain ones, not specialty ones, yep. Because you're not going to find, well, you will probably find gluten-free donuts in Wegmans, but you're not going to find that in ShopRite or Giant. Well, you're getting, I mean, some of the mainstream ones, they do have their free from section, mm-hmm. but your options are limited if you're looking for that kind of stuff. A lot of them are trying to jump on the whole food intolerances with their own brands, but I'm not sure that's the best option because it doesn't seem to be going very well mm-hmm. as far as not tasting like crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because they just, they just take it out, process it, slap a sticker on it and mass produce it. It's not the same as when you go to the, well... The more bougie places. They're going to have the stuff where the the love and care was taken to make it gluten-free. They put time and effort into it. I don't know why. You said more bougie, but I heard morgue bougie, and I was thinking, like, wow, that's dark. (laughs) I mean, I guess we could start a new... um, a new trend, morgue bougie. Morgue bougie. Why do all of our episodes end in death? Or at least visit the topic at least once? (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I would give it to the brands that actually take the time. That's their marketing pitch is that they're lactose intolerant, gluten free or whatever, because they're spending Mm -hmm. the time to make sure they're putting out product that tastes good because otherwise it will not sell. Yeah. I think the thing is, though, if you are just shopping at the mainstream grocery stores and you don't go to specialty shops, you do end up getting a product that you think is, you know, gluten free, lactose free, whatever vegan and then it tastes like you know tastes awful and then the immediate reaction is this stuff tastes awful yep so it's almost like mainstream grocery stores are giving all dietary requirements a bad name yes and there are enough people with dietary requirements giving dietary requirements a bad name grocery stores don't need to jump on that train and i don't know whether we've had a rant around about this before but it absolutely drives me insane when they put like a certain ingredient free on something that has never had that ingredient I saw gluten-free ground (laughs) beef the other day. (laughs) Earlier today, I had a can of beans in my hand, and they said vegan on them. I was like, yes. (laughs) They're beans. If they're not vegan, we have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) 
just, yeah. But it's, it's the difference between actually trying and trying hard just to get the extra sale or to say it's in your shelves. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I do, I mean, not saying that we never go to any of the mainstream grocery stores, but I find I would rather go to a few different grocery stores that specialize in something to get a better deal or a better version of a product or whatever product I'm looking for. Because mainstream grocery stores oftentimes don't have something you need for a recipe. Yep. And I know that there'll be plenty of people out there who say, well, if they don't have it, you probably don't need it. I want to assume they're not listening to our podcast. Probably not. (laughs) Or they've really missed the whole point of this. <laughs> Wait, what did they talk about? <laughs> Pretentious food. That's their second episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll also find brands at the smaller grocery stores that you like that you may not have experienced at a larger grocery store. Mm-hmm. Like, I have some cult favorites that have become that because I went to something like a small beer distributor rather than you know, a huge place or some kind of cheese shop that wasn't going to have what they would at a main counter. Yep. And then sometimes you'll get a, I mean, you get a better deal too. If you're going to go to like the Chinese grocery store or the Korean grocery store or something that's culturally specific as well, Mm -hmm. you're going to get a way better deal on what you're buying than you will buying the not as nice brand in the mainstream grocery store. Absolutely. Hipster cats have opinions on this as well, mainly because we can't actually get their food in the mainstream grocery stores. That's so true. Well, again, that's because the mainstream grocery stores, generally speaking, are not stocking the nice food that, you know, you'd want to put in your own body. They give you the the low quality stuff for cats and dogs that's high in grains and easily mass produced and doesn't have a lot of nutritional value. And I think probably from the animal's perspective also doesn't taste as nice, which is pretty much (laughs) the same argument we're making for the human food aspect of large chains. Our boys full turned up their noses at a store brand from one of the major grocery stores here in London. So while we were away, our cat sitter ran out of their food and they had gone to the grocery store and purchased just the store brand version of cat food and our guys wouldn't touch it. Absolutely wouldn't touch it. And we're talking about, okay, the one is picky. Algie's picky. Arthur, if it sits still, he'll eat it, but he wouldn't eat it. Yeah, my New York street cat um, doesn't (laughs) care what kind of food you serve him as long as it's food, but he's also known to eat dog food as recently as yesterday. (laughs) Probably bougie dog food, though. Yeah, probably. I don't think he's a good benchmark for what animals will eat and won't eat. And I'm not saying, you know grocery store brands are necessarily great in the long run. And like, I do doctor his food and stuff like that. Like I put water into it to make sure he's getting enough water and his special vitamins and stuff like that. I thought you said butter. (laughs) To make sure he's getting enough butter. Butter. Had a little bit of that, that nice Lando Lakes. He wishes. He'd be keen. Oh my God. Can't believe it's not water butter. (laughs) I will say that the, at least one of the mainstream grocery stores near us does sell the like lowest down version of their little chereens so like the basic Mm -hmm. so they really like the lily's organic chereens and they do sell the chicken and fish granted they don't eat the fish but they don't sell hunter's hot pot which is their favorite (laughs) the only one that algernon will eat straight through without taking a break yeah the hunter's hot pot comes with little baskets and a a little circle of oil you can heat up for them (laughs) 
comes with its own like silly little cat sourdough toast it's on the side well i mean bread bread is a really good example i mean and again i don't think that the topic of today's podcast is is to suggest that there aren't good things at mainstream grocery stores because there certainly are yeah but when you're when you're actually comparing them i mean it, it, it's hard because they're just not going to stock the super nice stuff because it's generally going to be a little more expensive because it's a smaller distributor and they're putting more time into it bakery is a great one uh, supermarket bread is, is never going to compare mm-hmm. with your even your local mom and pop kind of bakery as long as they've had a couple years in the kitchen it's it's just it's not going to happen so if you want nice bread i recommend you you skip it if you want a loaf of bread that's going to last you a week and make like eight or eight or twelve cheese toasties and still be fine cool go for it get it at the big store but if you want the nice bread you're probably not looking for it at the, at the big chains I also find that a lot of times... Or Subway. What on earth has happened to Subway's bread? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I don't think it counts as actual bread. It used to be good and it still smells really nice. But you have it now, and it's like, this isn't bread anymore. What what has happened? I'm just very confused about what's happened to Subway in general. It seems to be on a downhill crash course to very bad things. Well, their tuna doesn't actually have tuna in it. I'm still confused about what it does have in it. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me happy that I don't eat fish. I've never gotten the tuna there before. Mm-mm. They used to load up with toppings like pickles and olives that, you know, they would just get a handful and sprinkle in. And that was part of the allure mm-hmm. that you were getting all this great extra toppings. And now it's it's like three slices of pickle for a foot long and like two olives. Great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I could buy all these ingredients and make them at my home now cheaper than you're selling me the six inch yeah it's too bad because i did used to like subway Mm -hmm. yeah and it was especially a good option for the road trip between my parents house and uni things like that but it just doesn't so every once in a while i'll get a craving for it and then i'll get i'll go and get like a six inch and think this isn't at all you know but heritage avocado toast is right it smells the same yeah but it just does not taste right yep well and my favorite thing from there used to be the meatball sub mm-hmm. and their cookies were always really solid as well so like yeah a they meatball had good sub, chewy cookies yeah and like a warm chocolate chip cookie like i was a happy camper and you could always get sun chips too mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. one of the few places because yep. i love sun chips yep yeah yep You know what? uh, Back to the small grocery store thing. It also helps find ingredients that you may not find other places, like my addiction to dill pickles and Mm -hmm. the fact that they're not in the UK. You guys have that tiny grocery store that's down the road that carries those Polish pickles. Yeah, that seem to be the closest to what you can get from like a New York deli pickle. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as we can tell, and even doing a little research department in my own time, <laughs> the, over in Europe, they don't really have the same dill pickle with its garlic and almost no, I think there might be some sugar, but it's definitely, you'd never say it's a sweet pickle. And <clears throat> at least in, in Europe, it's not, they have some garlic and dill type pickles, but there's, they've still got a lot of sour and a lot of sweet in them. They just, it's a different style than what you find here, which is just difficult. Yeah, that very New York deli garlic yeah, and dill is not found over here. It's pretty, pretty unique. Yeah. I keep meaning to make it myself, but that's another thing that um, I need to get small cucumbers, which I just haven't gotten around to doing, but also getting vegetables in mainstream grocery stores. There's really not a huge selection. It's kind of the same staple vegetables all the time. And to be perfectly honest, the quality's not 
terrible, but it's not the best. So I tend to find that going to a greengrocer or we get the Abel and Cole veg box, just such a better selection and better quality. And lasts longer. Yeah. I love Trader Joe's and I will talk about how much I love them for hours on end. But the one thing that they do not do super well is veg because I found that it's ripe the day of. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for a an avocado that's ripe because you want to make guacamole or avocado toast or what have you later that day. Perfect. If you want to grab a bag of spinach for your salad tomorrow, you're going to struggle. Yeah. Mm. I have found similar with mainstream grocery stores does tend to be that the veg goes it's either not ripe yet, and not everything is a ripen at home. Mm -hmm. I get very tired of everything being treated as though it can ripen at home. It can't all yeah. ripen at home. So it's either not ripe or it's like exactly ripe. But even if it's not quite ripe, it does always seem to go off so much quicker. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the pre-washing, if it's the way it's packaged or treated. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. But I find that farmer's markets, green grocers, and oftentimes the boxes, and I know I've got a lot of colleagues who get the boxes from different suppliers as well, and they've said the same thing. It just, it's more direct from source, and it tends to last longer, which means you have less food waste. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't quite remember whether this is as big a thing in the UK as it is over here, but the new triple washed lettuce that's in a box that's over here that you're supposed to use is so not good because the best way to keep lettuce lasting longer is to not wash it. So you just wash what you need. You wash it right before you need it. Yeah. Is that in response to the, the E. coli breakouts? E. coli breakouts? It could be. I am not positive on that. I bet you it is because there was so much lettuce recalled from that. I feel like it just keeps happening too. Yeah. But yeah. But that's another thing that mainstream grocery stores tend to have is that they come from large mass production and larger suppliers. And oftentimes those suppliers are not the best for the farmers and mm -hmm. not the best for the workers and don't have the highest standards. Yep. And I do really like supporting small producers and small farmers and things like that. That's one of the reasons I really like getting our bread from the bakery because I like supporting a smaller company mm -hmm. and a local rather than a big mass produced chain. So there is occasionally times when you just you want white bread just for a really cheap sandwich or something. But I do find that is the opposite of vegetables. That stuff does not go off. No, it never does. Ever. And I can't help but wonder what is in it. Yeah, it's questionable. And you find yourself thinking like, well, so if I eat this now, will I preserve myself at this age? I mean, is that the key to eternal youth? So should I just start slapping Wonder Bread on my face? <laughs> <laughs> Who needs a sheet mask when you have Wonder Bread? <laughs> exactly. And you can eat it when you're done. <laughs> so the, the research department in the background has been, been doing some, some legwork here on things that ripen after picking versus not ripening after picking. And I think we need to give a shout out to EmpressOfDirt.net because this website is chock full of useful information about fruits, vegetables, including the science of it. Mm. 
For example, rather than simply listing which fruits ripen off the vine or the tree, they go into the science behind why they do or don't. Oh. And generally speaking, it's, it seems to be whichever, f- so this is specifically fruits, if they naturally produce ethylene gas on their own, they will ripen once picked. But if they don't produce the gas, they don't. They might become softer, but that's not ripening. <laughs> I do think a lot of people equate becoming softer to becoming ripe. Yes. This is true. And that's not... some interesting tidbits from the lists cantaloupe don't tell it what it can do oh look mother it's my life and if i want to elope let me get married how i wanna i still wanted to get married by a fat elvis we need to do a vow renewals or something that way with a fat elvis and if you're looking for gifts to get somebody hop back to our wedding uh, anniversary gifts podcast oh yeah we haven't had a shameless plug in a while we really haven't (laughs) we've been skipping over ones that are like right there ripe for the picking if you will (laughs) (laughs) you're so proud of yourself look at you So some interesting facts from the list is that cantaloupe is on the list of things that will ripen once picked. Mm. However, it mostly just softens. It does not sweeten, whereas most of the others sweeten as they ripen. And avocados mature on the tree, but will only ripen after picking. Mm. So I guess if you just leave them, they just never become nice avocado. They just get old and saggy. And some things that are on the list of fruits that may soften but are not ripening includes uh, bell peppers, most of the berries, figs, grapes, most of the citruses, olives, pineapple, which I find interesting because I think the longer you have pineapple sitting on the counter, the sweeter it's, it becomes. But they're saying it's not ripening. Just becoming softer. Mm. Which is interesting because so often in the store it's not ripe when you buy it. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. Interesting. And they have lots of cool eco-friendly kitchen ideas, newsletter. Yeah, so I would say definitely check out empressofdirt.net. A lot of work's gone into this. Nice. Love it. We also haven't plugged a random website in a while. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't. (laughs) As someone mentioned, um, I think the retro denim jacket. I think you uh, you referenced earlier about a microbrewery or something along the lines of finding a nice beer outside. I think alcohol is a pretty good one. And I think for wines, you generally speaking, you'll have a pretty large selection in the mainstream grocery stores. And you'll probably have a couple top end, a bunch of budgets and middle. I think liquor is quite similar, but you're not going to find, even with that amount of selection, you're not going to be finding the nice stuff that would be ideal for like a gift of somebody who really likes whiskey or someone who really Mm -hmm. likes a particular type of wine. You're better off going to the bespoke places to talk to someone to say, oh, my friend really likes these kinds of flavors, and then they can hand pick it for you. Yeah, you're more likely to find like big brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's good for an an everyday purchase. Beer, I would say, is the same but worse because I find the beer selections in mainstream supermarkets to be much more limited. Oh, heck yeah. Like, I, I love to go to a good beer store. The one big liquor store that I would say kind of blows past that is the huge one in Delaware. What's it called? It's like Wine and Liquor World or something like that. Oh, like the big, big like superstore type. Yes. It's a warehouse. Right. But see, I would count that as more of a specialty type store rather than a grocery store. Okay. Because that's not like walking into a Sainsbury's and seeing what gin selection they have. Because it's just strictly liquor and wine and beer. Yeah. 
Yeah. But they, at least here, they've all got the same types of basic lagers, a couple of ales that are mainstream, mm-hmm. and they're usually watery or the flavor's not quite right. Like, it's when you, because when you have a nice one, you, oh, okay. That's probably what it's supposed to taste like. You know, it's, it's pretty obvious. I'm not saying you can't find nice ones there. You know, I'm, I'm quite partial to some of the, the Asian beers they stock. You know, I, I get a lot of flack for it, but I quite like Red Stripe. You know, that's a nice six pack for six pounds. You know, it's, it's not blowing the world off or winning awards, but I quite like it. Just saying, if you're looking for some nice stuff, probably shouldn't be in Tesco. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, I would count liquor stores as more of a sort of specialty. So if we're looking for, uh, you know, any of the sort of rums or gins that we like that aren't your well-known names, we tend to go to like Whiskey Exchange or Jerry's in Soho. I highly recommend for anyone who's in London. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't they also, you can do them online and they deliver, but it is one of those places where if it's obscure and you're trying to find it, they'll probably have it. Yeah. And oftentimes at those types of places, you're more likely to run into an employee who is knowledgeable about what you're looking for rather than just knowing whether or not they have it in stock. Yep. Well, and one of the underrated things that's sort of grown in popularity at least here, and they're doing a ton of marketing, um, at least for one of them, is apps that deliver liquor mm-hmm. yep. or wine. Yep. Like Wink Wines is huge over here. And Wink Wines? It's kind of, yeah, like W-I-N-C. Oh. And it's like a monthly subscription. And the interesting thing about doing that kind of stuff online is if you're kind of an introverted person who doesn't like to go and have a conversation with someone or sound like you don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> they have... Places to like take quizzes or talk to someone online or get recommendations online. And in case you have not visited Pennsylvania uh, and you are from pretty much anywhere else, be forewarned that there is not alcohol in most grocery stores. That is true. It's a weird state. That does vary from state to state Mm -hmm. in the U.S. Oh, yeah. For any of our British listeners, so if you're going over to the U.S., just be ready for some weird liquor laws based on whatever state you end up in. Yep. I'm pretty sure it's frowned upon, if not illegal, to lick most people in public, though. Please ask for permission before you run around But I hardly know her. I just remember being shocked when I moved to New York City and finding wine byproduct in CVS, which is a pharmacy here. Oh, yes. I think you mentioned that in a previous uh, podcast. That's quite jarring. Yes, that's quite jarring. Read labels, people. (laughs) Wine product (laughs) is not wine. Read labels. Also, don't be afraid to kind of hover around and look at labels of things. Like, I feel like that's underappreciated, especially when selecting something like a craft beer. They do put information about what things taste like on the labels. Well, some do. Some put really pretentious things that have nothing to do with the actual flavoring. It's true, too. <laughs> All depends on the brewery. Yeah. It, they give you more of a, of a description of how you will feel when consuming the product as opposed to how much arsenic they put in it. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hide that. Yeah, can't disclose that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't want to give your <laughs> label a bad name. What if you were to do a beer that was arsenic and old lace, and it came in like a little doily or something, or a little like a lace cuff? Not, not with arsenic, obviously, but I don't know, maybe something like fireball cinnamony. But like something along that theme. I'm just assuming that arsenic tastes spicy. Well, wouldn't arsenic, arsenic would be almondy flavory. Is it almond? I think it's almond. Why don't we do a cinnamon almond beer? Cin- oh, a cinnamon almond beer. Hey, hey. What's the this one made okay. from apple seeds? Cyanide. Johnny's homebrew? Oh. <laughs> that too. Also, uh, <laughs> underrated liquors, Applejack. 10 out of 10 would recommend. It's delicious. 
Yeah, but you could do like a whole line of those things. You could have arsenic and old lace and cyanide. You could do a whole like maybe Halloween themed, but actually real, not just, you know, naming it. Wait, real poison? <laughs> Wait, real poison. No, no, no. I mean, like, like, like by a, a major brewery doing the line. The, the brewery's called Wait, Real Poison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You won't want to know what's in our beer nuts. <laughs> oh. Oh, that went somewhere I wasn't trying to take it, I think. <laughs> well, bringing it, bringing it back to grocery stores. I think one of the other things that I like about specialty grocery stores is that it feels like, because you, you're probably going to have to go to more one place, which I will admit does take time. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of base it off of, you know, where I am. So if I'm going to into Chinatown, it'll be because I'm in the area that day, like, based on my schedule, all of that. But it's a little bit like going on an adventure. Yeah. And we tend to do, Come at me, do like a food haul ourselves. Like I haven't posted it. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll make like a reels or something. It'd be really extra. But it's kind of like coming home and showing like what you've gotten like you've gone on a hunt or you've been out gathering it it brings back that whole primal you know <laughs> hunter gatherer kind of feel <laughs> there's, look oh there's a debut album that hunter gatherer feel <laughs> <laughs> yes it is. It's a good one. But like, look, I went out into the wild and I got us a can of jackfruit. Like I, I mean, stalked it. Yep. Skinned it. I, I got that can. Maybe fought some people in the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> like and then going to the butcher shop or something to see, because you don't always know what they're going to have. Yeah. You fought so Be- Betty that, and like, her walker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't, don't mess with the old ladies. I did not go shopping when the old ladies are out shopping. Oh, yeah. That is no. Danger zone. <laughs> There are two times I don't like shopping. It's the early morning when the old ladies are out and like right after school lets out when the little kids are there. Can't do either of those times. Also, stop letting children have anything with wheels yep. in a grocery store. Yep. Just stop. They don't need scooters in the grocery store. They don't need those shoes that have wheels in the grocery store. Kids do not need wheels. And you're must, much less likely to find that if you're shopping outside of the large grocery stores because mm-hmm. there isn't space. Yeah. And the clientele might be a little more parent forward. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of people who shop in those grocery stores that are basically, um, as one of our friends calls them, free range parents. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys remember when we were younger and they had those tiny carts for children to like roll around in the grocery store? Yes, only time kids need wheels because basically you put them to work. You give them the (laughs) tiny grocery cart and then mom would just load up that tiny grocery cart with things. It should be noted that we are not endorsing child labor. We're just saying if you have children, make them useful. It's not not child labor. It's pulling their weight. It's building character. Everybody in the family should contribute. And how are they going to understand the whole hunter-gatherer mentality if they aren't sent out into the wilds to gather their own food? I mean, aisles six and seven sometimes can be like a like a minefield. <laughs> Got to start them young, otherwise they're not going to. They're going to be the ones getting boxed out when there's a run on Jackfruit. spelt flour, and then they're going to end up coming home with bleached flour. Oh no! Exactly the audacity. <laughs> That's the other thing with small stores. You never know what they're going to have. Like the butchers, you don't know what they're going to have in that day. You go to the bakery. Maybe they don't have the loaf that you, you know, usually like. Or our local bakery, one of the loaves that I really like is not as popular. So they don't have it every day. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of 
it's the excitement of like, oh, they have it. If they don't have it, obviously, you know, we get regular sort of bog standard. Well, not bog standard because it's still a sourdough. But, you know, the the more basic one or one of the other fun ones. But when they have that one, of course, I'm going to get it. Well, and I think it keeps your at-home menu fresh Mm -hmm. because the fact that they didn't have that chicken you were looking for and instead they have pork, you're now making a different dish or you're inspired by something. That was one of the biggest reasons when we first started getting the Abel and Cole box, which for our listeners, we started getting Backwood Retro Denim Jackets still lived here because when you put all three of us together and ask us to make decisions, nothing happens. Yes. So we realized that we were pretty much buying the same vegetable every single day and it was getting really boring. And at the grocery store, there wasn't a lot of options. It was, you know, it's courgette, broccoli, spinach, salad. It's not a huge variety of green vegetables a lot of times. So we thought, let's get this veg box. And it, the nice thing about it is you, it changes every week. So you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. And you do get a warning. Like you can see what the list says. And you can obviously opt if there's things that you don't ever eat. You can say don't send them. But for the most part, we kind of just let it go. And what shows up shows up. And then you figure out what to make out of what you have. It makes you have to be creative. Yeah. And a lot of times it helps you with seasonality. Mm -hmm. Because one of my least favorite things, although I am a huge raspberry fan, until it really hits raspberry season, they just don't taste the same. Mm -mm. Especially when they're you know, at a big grocery store and they're imported from really far away. Yeah. Like apple season is apple season. Beet season is beet season. I struggle the most in this country with tomatoes because hothouse tomatoes just don't have the same flavor. And most grocery store tomatoes are hothouse tomatoes. They're not farm fresh. But even still, if you go with mainstream supermarket tomatoes, if you just compare the ones that are on the vine to off the vine, you're going to get an immediate flavor difference. The price difference is negligible, really. And the, the difference is ridiculous. So already you can get a huge difference just by picking the right type of tomato from the store yep. before you even get out of the whole hothouse and into into nicer ones. I've got a beef. What kind of cut is it? Oh, this is a juicy one. <laughs> <laughs> A nice juicy cut of beef. It's probably not Wagyu level of beef. Sear it. <laughs> but you were saying that your sometimes your favorite loaf is not in stock. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of an adventure when it is. Well, here's something. And this is a call out to shout out to Sainsbury's to get their, their job in order. And they used to have all the time in stock Sainsbury's Farmhouse Cheese Scones by Taste the Difference. So one of their in-store brands. These things are genuinely delicious. And our local never has them anymore. And it's ridiculous. Start stocking these again. It's a demand. Duly noted. We'll go after Sainsbury's start a petition. (laughs) And anyone that's reading reviews on the Sainsbury's website about this product, don't believe the haters. They're, They're complaining that they're spicy. What? These things do not have a hint of spice to them. What on earth? As somebody who does have pepper intolerance, I have never noticed them having a spice. And then the other complaints are they wanted more cheese in them. They're very cheesy. These things are a four pack for a pound or a pound 50. You're not expecting to get a whole cow's worth of cheese in the biscuit, but they're plenty cheesy. Also, don't be afraid to doctor stuff yourself. You want it extra cheesy? Buy a block of cheese, shred it on top, and put it in the oven. I have to say, I mean, I'm more than happy to make. We've made cheese scones before ourselves, Mm -hmm. but there is something about just having them ready to go in the morning without having to get up to make them. Mm -hmm. You know, there are times that store-bought is a winner. 
And those aren't decent ones. Yeah. I think M&S makes a cheese one, doesn't don't they? Yeah, it's 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 in a couple, but you know. Every time I'm in the bread section of our Sainsbury's, and it's a larger one for the city, mm-hmm. for London, so it's a larger one. They're, they're always out, the whole row. Maybe start stocking two rows of them. Wait, so they have a row. I just assumed that they weren't stocking it, not that it was out of stock. That's possible, but then dust off, remove that old tag and slot something else in there. <laughs> I have to say, although the staff at the Sainsbury's near, near us is very nice, and I know that they work quite hard, I feel bad because it always looks like there's been a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I don't know how it happens. Yeah. And we're talking even before COVID. It always looks like grocery stores. Actually, what it always looked to me was like grocery stores right before a hurricane hits. In the oh States. my gosh, all the milk and bread is gone. Just everything is gone. There's been like some sort of food fight in the fruit aisle. Eggs are smashed. I don't know how it happens. What bread is there is crushed. I don't, I don't think it's the staff. I'm pretty sure it's the clientele. But it always looks like there's been a zombie apocalypse. Doesn't matter what day of the week, what's going on, nothing. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how it happens. And a couple of our friends didn't believe me when I said this. They were like, oh, no, Sainsbury's is always quite nice. And then they house sat for us. And we got back and they said, oh, my God, your particular branch. What is going on with the people who live near you? (laughs) aggressively going to the grocery store yeah also this is speaking of broken eggs this is a psa from your hipster at home team to double check your eggs before you purchase them Mm -hmm. i've heard rumors like people say oh you're not allowed to open the eggs and look at them to see if they're cracked no that's absolutely not true Mm -mm. the same way you would check that your fruit and veg aren't rotten check to make sure your eggs aren't cracked perfectly acceptable yeah i have never ever ever been told off for checking my eggs nor has anyone i ever know no also check to make sure they're all in there oh right you guys i hadn't seen that in the u.s before yeah we were warned by an employee one time when we were checking out she said did you open up the container to make sure they're all in there and we said yeah we made sure they weren't cracked and she said okay because people have been stealing individual eggs it's bananas it's like i just need one egg for this recipe i I don't know very strange where are you putting those how are you making sure they get home okay yeah Seems like it's a dangerous prospect. Just. Yeah. Oh, speaking of not going to regular grocery stores, buying eggs at smaller grocery stores or local farms. Mm-hmm. Thank us later. <laughs> yeah. They're usually much nicer. Leagues better. Especially in the States. I know here, because of regulation in uh, chicken farming and egg farming and all of that, grocery store eggs are a lot safer. But in the US, oftentimes you you will get safer eggs from a farmer or a farmer's market or something like that where they can track the eggs. They're safer and tastier. There's Mm -hmm. literally no downside other than slightly more expensive. But oftentimes the price itself, you do sometimes wonder, when you're at a farmer's market or you're buying directly from the farmer, the price is a little bit more, which really has to make you question the costs of the big chain stores. And everyone mm-hmm. knows that that is because the farmers tend to not get a very good cut. So, you know, don't begrudge small producers for charging a little bit more to keep their production running. I just, I heard the cat in both of our audio feeds. Yeah. I missed it. Because of where, where he is. And Arthur would like to point out that you should... <laughs> Buy your cat Where'd toys you from smaller suppliers. 
I'm now eating gin-soaked raspberries. So how does gin do with raspberries? Because I know apples and tequila go together like bananas and peanut butter, but how's the gin and raspberry front? I used frozen raspberries in place of ice cubes. Oh, okay. Which I know we have talked about in previous podcasts Mm -hmm. with a little bit of gin and the Fever Tree Mediterranean tonic, so the one with rosemary and such in it. So it was quite nice. It did did start to get a bit sweet towards the end, quite syrupy, but very tasty. Would recommend. I'm writing down things. Things that I need to bring on my next trip, and that includes Fever Tree. <laughs> Fever Tree Tonic. Yeah. Algernon's decided it's time for his podcast. <laughs> uh, Tangerine LaCroix is also on my list, by the way. It makes <laughs> a fabulous scotch and soda. Did you see the you know guy with the sign or whatever? Or dude with the sign? No, not the latest one. He had a sign that said, not every company needs to make a hard seltzer. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> It's true. It's getting a little out of hand. The market's like already saturated. You don't need to jump on that trend. You're just... It wasn't a trend that needed to happen. It wasn't a market that needed to be saturated. Very true. As somebody who likes seltzer and, you know, flavored sparkling waters, I was already adding things to it if I wanted it to be an alcoholic beverage. Mm -hmm. I didn't need somebody else to do it for me, individually package it and sell it to me for a markup. It's much cheaper to just buy flavored seltzer and just add vodka, gin, whatever. Tequila. Yeah. It gives you a better flavor. Mm-hmm. Better taste profile. Yep. And you can get a way better selection of flavors that way as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we say this until we decide to bring out our hard seltzer and then <laughs> we'll completely retract all of our statements. Wait, are we making hard seltzer? I thought we already had the beer line that's named after poisons. Well, yeah, but if we have a beer line, we have to make hard seltzer, right? <laughs> I assume that that's, I thought that's a requirement now. Poison pilsners. <laughs> Pilsners and poisons. We, we trademark all of this. <laughs> no we one's really stealing. need to stop shouting out brilliant ideas into the <laughs> unknown. I guess on the bright side, at least it's recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Too true. It's not just Siri listening through your phone yeah. or Hey Google or whatever. Oh my God, you've made your point. Don't know. Do you want to put input in? Will that shut you up? Okay. You might make it on the podcast then. Come here. Let him discuss his love for organics. Where, how do you feel about specialty stores? <laughs> and, well, hold on. And are you okay with mainstream grocery store brand cat food? The silence is deafening. <laughs> uh, no. Well, there you go. Live from the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we're going to replace our uh, catch-up section oh, with? <laughs> yes. We've, we've, we, so we, we've just heard from our in-the-field reporter, <laughs> Gold Brew Kombucha, <laughs> who's been polling it's local a, hipster cats all day. The search Cold Brew Kombucha. <laughs> yeah, the Cold Brew Kombucha. Oh. Have we covered everything? Like, we've talked about what? I think we have. Food, bread, alcohol. We didn't talk about, like, home goods, but I mean. But yeah, I think otherwise we've, uh, I think we've got, we've gotten everything on our list. Have we done all the aisles? (laughs) (laughs) That is small rant, I suppose. Mainstream grocery stores tend to have more aisles, and that's because they're bigger and they have more things. And I understand that that is a logical way of ordering your products, but two things. One, I hate 
doing the aisles. It's so overwhelming. There's so many things. I can't tell what I'm looking at after a while. And two, sometimes I feel like they just put random things in random sections. It's like, oh yeah, let's put the baked beans and spices in the same aisle. That makes sense. Because when I'm looking for powdered garlic, I'm also looking for <laughs> baked beans. Well, there is a theory behind the way they lay it out to try to get you to buy more. Mm-hmm. And the thing that actually bugs me the most, and you are less likely to see this in like a family-owned store or a mom-and-pop or a you know, a specialty store, is the rearranging things so that it forces people to do the aisles again and therefore buy more things. That's an actual... Yeah, no. That is an actual psychological theory that they put in place in the mainstream grocery stores. And it drives me insane. Well, it makes me want to leave your store. Yeah. It drives me absolutely batty because I don't know about you guys, but when I do have to go to a bigger grocery store, I create a plan of attack. Mm -hmm. I have organized my grocery list by the way that it's going to come up in the aisles. And I expect things to be where they are. And if I can't find them, I just leave without them and I'm going to take my business elsewhere. So... And I know that this is kind of a a stereotypical joke, but you do always see the one member of the couple, usually the guy, is going out to pick something up on the phone trying to figure out where something is. Mm -hmm. And it's not always, sometimes it's the other way around. But oftentimes, I'm the one who remembers where things are in the grocery store. Heritage Avocado Toast does not. True. If he goes out to buy something, he will call and say, I don't see it. And if I try to explain where it is in the grocery store, if they've rearranged, I can't help him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a way of processing information. It's the same thing with directions. Like, I know how to get to my parents' house, but I couldn't tell you how to do it. And the same thing is, I'm going into the store. I know where the salmon is, I know where the rice is, and I know where the dill is. Mm-hmm. If I, let's say I'm making salmon, rice, and dill. So I will just go in, get those three things, leave. So my lists tend to be shorter in general, unless we're doing a haul shop. So I'm looking for those things and I don't know what aisle they're in or what they're next to, but I know where those specific things are and it's blind spots the rest of the way from what I'm looking for. So if it's not where it's supposed to be, I'm probably just going to ask somebody because I have no problems asking for directions and I'm not wasting my time trying to figure out you moved it from aisle one to aisle 12. You did this to yourself, big grocery. Wait, (laughs) are they just trying to distract you from the fact that they can't seem to restock their shelves with the cheesy scones? You know, I don't know if I necessarily want to shout them out, but I'll put it here and then decide. M&S is a serious offender for cereal rearranging. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean just rearranging their cereals. Oh, you ruined my special K joke. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like every time we go in... It's rearranged again. And they are very helpful there. They always know where things are, so you can ask and they will take you right to an item. But it's so frustrating to go in to try to find something and not be able to because everything's... And they don't just like slightly rearrange. They drastically rearrange constantly. And also exhausting for the staff. That must be. Must be. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this. My dad has the most amazing cereal rant about the cereal aisle. (laughs) I don't think I've experienced it in person, at least. No. It's fabulous. It covers such topics as changing label colors, rearranging where they are on the shelves, the fact that there are too many options. (laughs) Yeah, there's too many. It sounds like Heritage Avocado Toast's rant. Yeah. Every single time they change. Next time I'll see him, I'll ask him. 
Does he want to make a podcast? Everyone's making a podcast now. Honestly, <laughs> I think it'd be very, very... Inst- I've learned so many things from that man. He's very knowledgeable, and he's quite good at teaching things. And I don't know if it's just because he's my dad, but it o- doesn't always feel... like It doesn't feel like mansplaining to me. <laughs> Well, you see, the reason we need extra space on the tube is it gets sweaty. (laughs) And apparently the zipper on the front of our jeans is not for airflow, apparently. So we have to keep that that baby shut. I just assumed it was for ease of removal. Yeah, but I don't know anybody that actually utilizes it for that. Like, you're usually doing the top button as well. So, like, what the heck's the point? (laughs) Like this? (laughs) You obviously have never worn girl jeans. Do you need to easily remove something from your front? No. No, but you need to do both the button and the zip. I need to be able to remove them. Oh, I thought you meant removal of the man bits. (laughs) Not removal of the clothing. (laughs) Removal of the clothing. Oh, very different removals we're talking. Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I guess we should should close this out. I think we've thoroughly explored every aisle, and it's about time to check out. Are we going to self-checkout? Okay, isn't there the study that said that adding self-checkouts into it makes it longer? Good exit. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's try the exit again. Well, this is just <laughs> like Big Grocery. You get to the checkout aisle, and then suddenly there's, there's Snicker bars and pop chips for you to peruse and things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, take two here. It's been uh, it's been a fun time shopping with you. <laughs> <laughs> Rate us if you've enjoyed the podcast. Give us a follow. And if you're looking for more content, go to the blog hipsterathome.co.uk. Bye. Bye now. Bye. Sorry, I'm not putting this in the podcast, but my nostril itches and hurts. It's like one of those, like, I can't tell if it's like a pimple. Mm -hmm. That happened to me the other day. And I was like, (laughs) it hurts to touch it, but it's itchy. It's itchy.